couple of weekends ago, Kristen and I, with our oldest daughter, Lydia, flew out to the Pacific Northwest to participate in the celebration of the church I served out there who was welcoming their new pastor. Uh, we lived in a little town called Oak Harbor, about 100 miles northwest of Seattle. Uh, Mount Baker was just off to our northeast. That's how far west we were. Here's a picture of Baker from our living room window. Just kidding, that's not our living room. Uh, straight east was Mount Rainier, and then off to the south was the Olympic Peninsula with its rainforests. Lydia is a senior, so we thought while we spent some time out there, we'd also take a look at a few colleges. She went to Seattle Pacific University, the University of Washington. We can't afford either of those, but we did get to go to Pike's Market, which was awesome if you've been to Pike's Market. Uh, we told one of the guys at the fish stand there that we're, she was born out there, and he invited her behind the counter. Uh, here's a little video of Lydia catching fish. Just before we flew out there, I got a phone call from a woman named Karen. Karen is the daughter of Ed and Willie Boonstra. Uh, Ed and Willie were members of the church that we served out there. Uh, she was calling to let me know that Ed uh, had just died, 95 years old. Ed was probably the duchest of Dutchmen I have ever met. He carried to his grave the thickest Dutch brogue you've ever heard. It was almost unintelligible. It was such a thick Dutch brogue. I'd call him whenever I wanted to visit him, and he'd answer the phone like this, Boonstrazed. Not exactly sure how to respond when someone answers like that. They came from the Netherlands by way of New York Harbor, took a train across the United States, and settled on Whidbey Island. They cleaned banks after hours to make a living before they were invited into the civil service out there. And by the time they had retired, they were given the keys to the city, a way of saying thank you. At 9 o'clock every morning, Ed and Willie would open their doors and host coffee time. The thickest, darkest coffee you've ever tasted. You almost have to eat it with a fork. And Willie would make the brownies with the powdered sugar on top or the lemon bars or the, uh, the windmill cookies and the fakamas and the zilstras and Ed's brother, Gary Boonstra. They'd all meet at 9 o'clock every day of the week, including Sundays. While they were back in the Netherlands, they, they, they immigrated here uh, after World War II. When they were back in the Netherlands, they would house, they would hide Jews from Nazi Germany. I asked Willie about it one time. She said, we all did it. Uh, Karen was calling to tell me that her dad had died. Uh, while I was still serving there as pastor, I got a phone call one night from Jan Fakima, that Ed and Willie's son, Rick, who lived down in Seattle, had died suddenly and tragically. It appeared to be an overdose. They weren't sure if it was intentional. Their hearts sank into their stomachs as they ached for their boy, as they wondered all of the questions you ask under those circumstances. Jan called to let me know Rick had died. I called Ed. He answered, Boonstra's Ed. 
made my way over to their house that night. It was, it was a Friday night, I think. It was about 10.30, I'm pretty sure. Past uh, Ed's wooden shoes in the garage, through their kitchen, out onto their dining room table. The coffee was on, the brownies were out. Ed's Dutch Bible was sitting next to the dining room table, and we sat there in silence. We sat there in tears, the kind of tears people who have lived through World War II sometimes cry. Uh, Ed asked after a while, Pastor, can we pray? There's something about that prayer I want to highlight for you in just a few minutes. For now, I want you to listen with me to a dream and a story. A dream and a story that I hope draw us just a little closer to Jesus. In a harsh world, the tenderness of Jesus. In a cold world, the warmth of Christ. In a confusing world, the conviction of the one who loves us. Just to bring you up to speed, this is a story about a guy named Solomon. He became king. Solomon was David's boy. David was the one who took Bathsheba, killed Uriah. He had a son named Solomon. Listen to the dream and the story. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking according to the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered burnt offerings at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. That was one of the principal high places. He used to offer thousands of burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall do for you. And Solomon said, you have shown your great and steadfast love to your servant, my father, David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness and heart towards you. And you've kept your great and steadfast love to your servant, my father, David, by giving him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made me king in place of my father, even though I'm only a little boy and I don't know how to go out or come in. You've placed me in the midst of this, your great people, whom you've chosen. So numerous, they can't be numbered or counted. Give to your servant an understanding mind to govern your people, to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And God said, because you've Ask this, and not for yourself, long life or riches or the life of your enemies. I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you what you ask. No one before you has been like you, and no one shall arise after you like you. I also give you what you have not asked. 
riches and honor all your life. No king shall compare with you. If you walk in my ways and keep my commandments as your father David did, I will lengthen your life. Solomon awoke. It had been a dream. He went down to Jerusalem and he stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and he offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being and he provided a feast for all his servants. Later, two women who were prostitutes came and stood before the king. The first woman said, Oh Lord, this woman and I live together in the same house. I gave birth to a child. And on the third day after I gave birth, she also gave birth to a child. We were together in the house. There was no one else with us. It was only the two of us in the house. In the night, her child died because she lay on him. And at midnight, she took my son and laid him at her breast. And she took her dead son and laid him at my breast. And when I woke up in the morning to nurse my child, I saw that the child was dead. And in the morning, I I looked and I saw that it was not my child. And the other woman said, no, the dead son is your son and the living son is mine. And the other woman said, no, the living son is mine and the dead son is yours. And so they argued before the king. The king said, one woman says, my child is the living one and your son is dead. And the other woman says, no, your son is dead and my son is the living one. Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And he said, divide the child, giving half to one and half to the other. And and the woman who was the mother of the living child, because compassion for her son burned within her, said, give her the living boy. Do not kill him. The other woman said, it shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide it. Solomon said, give the living child to the first woman. She is the mother. Do not kill him. And all Israel heard the judgment the king had rendered And they were in awe before the king because they perceived the wisdom of God was in him to execute justice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. If you've got a Bible near you or maybe find it on the smartphone with you, a dream and a story. A dream and a story, I hope, draw us closer to Jesus. It, it, It doesn't come across quite like a dream at first, at least, Seems like a conversation between Solomon and God, a prayer maybe between Solomon and God, but it's a dream. That's what it says. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And then it, it ends, Solomon awoke. It had been a dream. Solomon can walk away from this story seeming like a pretty high character guy. God shows up, the living God, the God who made the sun, the moon, the stars, the God who has it all, that... God shows up to Solomon in a dream and says, ask what I shall give you, what I shall do for you. And Solomon could ask for anything. And in the dream, he asks for wisdom and understanding to discern, to govern the people. He asks for wisdom, for the common good. He he could walk away from the story as a pretty high character, good intention, pure-hearted guy. 
But it's a dream. It's, it's almost, it's almost, have you ever had a dream where you woke up and think, oh, that was just a dream? It was so real, but it was just a dream. It's almost as if God gave Solomon the prayer to pray before he answered the prayer Solomon prayed. Solomon could walk away from this dream a seeming a pretty high character guy, but if you pay attention a little bit to the context, I'm not so sure. I think he's a little more complicated. He's a little more complex than that first glance. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Talk about sleeping with the enemy. Talk about playing with fire. Solomon wasn't just playing with fire. He was roasting marshmallows and eating s'mores. He made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh. Haven't we done that before? Haven't we been there before? And here we are again. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David. It says, Solomon loved the Lord. Don't get me wrong. Solomon loved the Lord, walking according to the statutes of his father only. He sacrificed and offered burnt offerings at the high places. Solomon had a divided heart. Solomon lived in two worlds. The king went to Gibeon, the principal high place. He used to offer thousands of burnt offerings on that altar. You could walk away from this dream thinking Solomon's a pretty high character guy, or you could wonder, God and? God and? He's a whole lot more complicated than first glance. And aren't we a little more complicated too? God and sort of lives out of one side of our mouths. God, God, out of the other, and, and. Too often and too quickly, our lives are divided. We're a duplicitous sort of people, which is why I want you to notice the dream. It starts like this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. At Gibeon, Gibeon was the principal high place. Gibeon was the place everybody went to worship to the idols. Solomon used to offer thousands of burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night in a dream. At the place of duplicity, at the height of his division, God shows up to Solomon. There is no boundary. God isn't willing to pass, to meet us, to find us, to take us, and bring us back home, bring us back to the place he wants us to be. At Gibeon, of all places. Not, not at Jerusalem, at Gibeon. And isn't that God's heart? Isn't that always been God's way? God, in Christ, left the eternal communion of Father and Spirit, crossed every boundary of time and geography and eternity, entered into the finite realities of our creatureliness. He took on what we are so we could become like he is. He, he will not stop until he finds us to bring us back to the place we belong. That's God's heart. In our God and kind of lives, God and, God and, uh, maybe this will help. So uh, Monday is Reformation Day. My kids, especially my six-year-old, has been asking me about Reformation Day for days. Daddy, Daddy, how much longer until Reformation Day? Daddy, Daddy, what am I going to wear for Reformation Day? Daddy, Daddy, did we get the candy for Reformation Day? All kinds of kids all over the country will knock on doors to remember Martin Luther, who pounded the 95 theses on the doors of Wittenberg, the first of the 95. When our Lord and Master Jesus said, repent, he willed that the whole life of the believer would be one of repentance. In other words, change. 
He willed our whole lives would be changed. Our God and lives would be changed. And he'd bring us back home to the place we belong. God and, God and. But it's God's heart that we would be singular in our focus and singular in our attention. And he won't stop until he finds us where we are to take us where we need to be. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. So that, that's the dream. Now here's the story, it's the story of two women, and apparently we need, to know that we need to know that they were prostitutes. And apparently it's important for us to know that there was no one else with them in the house. So they're, they're, they're low character women, you can't really trust what they say, and there's no one else there, so there's really no witnesses to corroborate what one of them is saying. It's, it's she said, she said kind of story, and Solomon has to render judgment. Solomon has to weigh in with a decision. There's a certain sense in which this story functions like a parable. It doesn't have to be a parable, but it functions like a parable. We just come off this dream of a divided life where Solomon is God-anding, God-anding, God-anding into a story about two women, each who have a son, one dies, and King Solomon says, divide the other in two. Divide the living child in two. It's as if the story is suggesting a divided life leads to death. You cannot live God and. It may scratch an itch for a while. It may satisfy for a moment. But in the end, it's a cul-de-sac to which there is no end. You can't find your way out. God and is never the way to live. The one woman, the and side, it shall be neither mine nor yours because all of these ands of our lives never Never bring us to the life we long for. And the other woman, take the child, have the child, let him live. It's like the other woman is, is almost like God, C compassion burned within her. Isn't that what the psalmist says? The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Take the child so God gives his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to make us whole. Our God and lives only ever lead ultimately to death, and God, out of his great compassion and love, wants to bring us back home. This call to righteousness, this call to faithfulness, this call to holiness is not a call to repress your life or ruin your life or make your life so hard, but an invitation into the only life that leads to full, flourishing, thriving life. Jesus is the one who says, I am the way and the life. Jesus is the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, I am the door. I am living water. It's the only way. So on this Reformation weekend, I want to I invite you to consider what needs to change. Not because you're so bad, but because God is so good. Uh, Dan Allender, a therapist out in Seattle, is known to have said, kindness leads to repentance. God's goodness leads us to repentance. We're, we're, at least this church is of the Reformed tradition. We're the people of guilt and grace and gratitude. We're the people of total depravity. We're the people historically who wag the finger and point the finger, guilting people into change. What if, what if it's God's heart of goodness that wants us to change? God's heart of love that calls us to change. Not how bad you are, but how good God is. God has so much more for you. This God and existence will never lead you to the place you want to go. Compassion for her child burned within her. Have the living one. Don't kill him. God sends his son to make us whole. So we flew out to Seattle 
couple weekends ago, Kristen and Lydia and I, just before we left, I got this call from Ed and Willie's daughter, Karen, that her dad, Ed, had died. So I, I went out there thinking about Ed. Uh, one of my favorite images of Ed, Ed wore wooden shoes regularly. He said to me, because they're more comfortable. My favorite image of Ed, I'd pull up into his driveway, and there he'd be with his wooden shoes and his jean overalls and his plaid shirt smoking a cigarette. Just don't make them like they used to. I got a call on a Friday night uh, that Ed and Willie's son, Rick, he's about 10 years older than I was, so I'm putting him in his maybe mid-40s. His son had died, and and there was confusion just around around the cause of his death. Was it? Their hearts were breaking, and they were left wondering. So I called that Friday night, Unstrazed, made my way over, passed his wooden shoes in their garage. They told me never to ring the doorbell, just come in, Pastor. Past the wooden shoes in the garage, through the kitchen, over to the dining room table, Ed and Willie sitting next to each other in silence. The coffee was on, the brownies with the powdered sugar. And we sat there crying the way you cry when you've endured World War II and housing Jews. And after a while, Ed asked, Pastor, can we pray? And he opened his Bible to the book of Romans, to chapter 8. And he prayed, I consider that the sufferings of this present time. And he prayed, what then are we to say about these things? And he prayed, who will separate us? And he ended his prayer, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's heart of goodness, so full, so beautiful. He sends his son to meet us where we are, the the high places of our duplicity to meet us where we are, to take us back to the place we belong because his heart is so good and so loving inviting us to become what he always had intended us to be. The question for you here, the question today, what in your life needs to change? Not because you're so bad, but because there's so much more. God wants so much more. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's heart so full of love for you and for me, desiring so much more for our lives than we dare to ask or imagine, meets us at this table, the body of Christ given for you, the cup of Christ poured out for you. If you believe that Jesus is Lord and you acknowledge him as Savior, you're welcome to partake in this way. Maybe you've got bread and wine in your home, maybe crackers and juice If you're not at that place, this isn't meant to be an awkward, manipulative moment for you. I invite you to consider the things that you've heard today. And maybe maybe you and I could get together. Uh, Email me, john, J-O-N, at pillarchurch.com. I'd love to hear more of your story and share some of mine. For those who do decide to participate in communion, come.
for all things are ready.